0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. The show Kenobi might technically be over, but there's just still so much to talk about. Danielle from Written in the Star Wars is back. We're going to go over the show with her. We're going to talk about it with her and Sarah Hayashi, as well as some thoughts on clones. Maybe talk about husbando, uh Mr. Hondo Anaka, <laughs> and uh, some thoughts about what's coming next for the Star Wars on screen. All that more after this commercial break. We have no control over Welcome back. I'm Matthew, they, them, pronouns. Um, Sarah Hayashi is joining me as all, all, quite often for Star Wars stuff. Sarah, how are we doing tonight?
1: I'm okay. Um, yeah, haven't slept great because every town has decided, you know, the whole weekend should be a fireworks fiesta, but um, fiasco, either, I r- rather. But yeah, no, it's, uh, other than that, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. Happily, we don't
0: have too many fireworks up in my neck of the woods. I think the whole, like, protect the pets, protect the veterans, plus not too many folks feeling too patriotic these days around my neck of the woods. And
1: I am also living in an area with severe drought and, like, high risk of fire. So, yeah, no, it it makes extra sense that...
0: (laughs) Uh well, we also have a special guest, uh, Danielle, from Written in the Star Wars. Uh, it's a TikTok account that I follow. Danielle also does a lot of stuff on Twitter. Just fantastic Star Wars co- content, uh, especially about the clones and Kenobi. I've really loved your coverage, and we're just so excited to have you back. So, Danielle, welcome back.
2: Thanks. I'm glad to be back. I'm very excited to talk about all things Kenobi, and I can't relate to the July the 4th stuff because I live in the UK, so no fireworks <laughs> today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Do you get like on Guy fawkes Day did they have any fireworks? yes there any kind of
2: okay. and bonfires too? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: All right. Well, um how was I was gonna say speaking of bonfire nah, that transition doesn't work. <laughs> I, I have to say I, I'm rewatching the Clone Wars. Sorry, rewatching Rebels with my partner, my spouse, Mary. Just earlier today we had the episode where Kanan and Rex meet each other for the first time mm-hmm. and there's just all that like heartbreaking tension as they all have so much lack of trust. And I just, I, I've talked about those issues with both of you, so it's made me so happy that we're getting together to talk about this. And Kenobi, which is also about sort of all the like, you know, broken trust after the Clone Wars and all that happens.
2: Yes, I am very excited for that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um, Daniel, let's just start with you. Ken- uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, what'd you think?
2: I loved it. I think I said on the last ep- uh, episode I was on I am a prequels kid, and this just healed something in me. Um, it really was such a beautiful bridge, I think, between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy for Obi-Wan. And it was just a beautiful discovery of his character, I think, that, and how we get from Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope, Obi-Wan.
0: Mm-hmm. In terms of, what, kind of like, what were you seeing about his character that you think the show kind of pulled out?
2: Well, I was so happy that we got down in the dumps, Obi-Wan, because that's what I wanted in the beginning. I was like, we can't get to A New Hope, Obi-Wan, without him really struggling. And it was painful and it hurt to watch, but it needed to happen. And I thought that for us just having six episodes, they really kind of wove in how he could get from losing his brother and losing his entire family in the Jedi Order to being the you know, happy kind of go lucky out Guinness we get in a new hope, and mm-hmm. I just really I really loved that and I loved, loved, loved that it was Leia who helped him through that. I wasn't expecting to get that much Leia, and it was just so beautiful to me, especially as a female Star Wars fan. It meant a lot that Leia mm-hmm. finally got her moment on screen to help and to show what she was capable of
0: yeah and it's, it's such a beautiful thing especially since you know his story is all leading up to luke and i think we were expecting it would be a lot of luke having leia as as kind of the main um i mean she's kind of a MacGuffin, but she's also <laughs> obviously so much a part of the story herself was just really wonderful Sarah, what about yourself? I know we got you on about halfway through. What did you think of the how the show wrapped up?
1: Yeah. Well, so when we last spoke, I think we were doing our episode four or five feedback. And I was like riding high from episode five or um, not episode, chapter five, part five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I thought part six was kind of a letdown. I don't know. I guess Obi-Wan, like I guess the show just wasn't for me, um, which fair. is fine. Not everything needs to be for me all the time. Um, and like I didn't I didn't dislike it. By any means, there were a lot of, like, moments that I really loved. But overall, mm-hmm. I guess just kind of disappointed. Okay. Um It's not the show I was expecting. And, yeah, th- and, like, it didn't wow, the show that it was didn't wow me enough to, like, make me for- forget about what I was expecting, I guess. Or to, like, make up for those lost expect- expectations. Yeah, sure.
0: I can see that. I, I think I'm kind of in the middle between the two of you. I think there was a lot of stuff that I loved, a lot of stuff that just it didn't it didn't hit for me quite as hard as I think for others. And part of it may be because, as you said, uh, and Danielle, I'm really glad you brought that up because someone had said, like, you know, sometimes this podcast is just a bunch of the old fogies talking about how much they love the original trilogy. <laughs> and so it is great, I think, to have that perspective from someone for whom, like... Cause, is it fair to say that, like, for you, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is and McGregor, not Alec Guinness necessarily?
2: Yeah, I think it would be fair to say that... Um... Yeah. Because I was I was just a kid when the prequels came out. Those those are my, like, that's the Star Wars that I mm-hmm. predominantly grew up with. Even though my, my dad did show me the original trilogy, I okay. grew up with them simultaneously. Uh, the prequels were what was the exciting thing at the time.
0: Yeah. yeah, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. I, I, I think I am really looking forward to watching this show again at some point. Because... You know, so you were talking about kind of some of the expectations you had. For me, I didn't have as many expectations, but I did have some level of like, uh, that doesn't seem to quite fit. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of days ago, I did an experiment. And I turned on a movie that I'd seen before, but I hadn't really given a good chance to. It's a movie about a heist, which I love heist movies, but it's set in space. And, you know, there's robots, and there's, there's scoundrels, and there's people doing, like, backstabby stuff, and there's an empire. The, the movie I'm talking about was Solo, which... I hated as a Star Wars movie. Hmm. But then when I watched it, just like totally on its own, I was like, you know what? This is a great movie. like Or at least it's a good movie.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You can say great. Um, you can admit it. It's good. I love there, no point yeah. are,
0: Uh Donald Glover as as Landor Calrissian, so very much great. Mm-hmm. Um, thirst factor off the chart. <laughs> um, but like it was, I think in a lot of ways because it was like, I wasn't trying to say how does this person fit into who... Um, you know, can
1: uh, become uh, Han yeah. Han becomes?
0: Solo will become. <laughs> it's just who is this person as it is, mm-hmm. and I kind of wonder if, for me, it's interesting. Danielle, other way, I was I was really interested hearing you talking about that connective tissue because I think I was having trouble seeing that. But I think just if I th- if I kind of see this as, you know, almost kind of like you know the Kelvin timeline. You know, Revenge of the Sith starts a new timeline, and this is just Kenobi after that. I think I'm a, I, I like it a lot more, and there's certainly a lot of great things that happened in it.
2: Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, and it's it's so easy to, to have expectations, even if you think that you don't, uh, going into it immediately. And right. week by week, you know, if certain things that you didn't want to happen don't happen is really is a letdown. But then if you get some space between it, not to say that it'll completely change your mind, but it might be something that you're more like, okay, I know what I'm going into now. I know what to right. expect. I know what not to expect. And then kind of just like List your expectations and enjoy it for what it is that's how i am with rise of skywalker i don't hate rise of skywalker but it's my not my favorite star wars movie yeah. um but the more i rewatch it the more i can appreciate it for kind of what what it does well and instead of what it doesn't
1: yeah <laughs> i think like i I, mean, I i totally agree about your like mitigating expectations thing it's like here's a weird analogy coming at it from like a pottery perspective um we just i just finished teaching a summer class at the university and we have like a big kiln firing and it's very exciting you open up the kiln everything's changed and is awesome and everyone's usually extraordinarily disappointed even though like i think all of their work looks fantastic it's just like this is their first experience with ceramics they don't know really what to expect and we can like kind of show them samples but it's not quite the same so it always looks super different on their pieces and what i tell my students is like give it a month put this in like the back of your cupboard for like a month two months and then come back to it and you're going to love it. I promise you. Because I think it looks great. Yeah. And, like, the same thing happened to me. Like, there was a pot that I had in there that I was like, oh, I messed up this Gillies appli- application. I think it looks like trash. And all my colleagues are like, this looks fantastic and you're dumb. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I just need to, like, put it away. So I think, like, I'm going to do the same with Obi-Wan. I'm just going to put it away for, like, a month maybe. Come back to it. And I think I know we talked about, um, maybe on the podcast, maybe in private, <laughs> about watching it as, like, a, a binge watch instead of waiting for it to come out every week, and I think that'll help too, giving it that kind of like the movie quality of it. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that that'll change my mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I I completely agree with what you're saying about Solo, Matthew. Um, I I loved Solo when it came out, but I think I can like see it as this. Like, like, Hounds of the Baskerville kind of situation where, like, we're just getting just Han Solo stories. Like, we're not even, we're not worried about how this ties into the greater plot. Although they did work in, like, 12,000 little Easter eggs. Like, oh, this is how Han got his <laughs> dice and his last name. And anytime those things happened, it was kind of like, okay, all but the
0: right. Thing was so <laughs> that was so terrible. No, it was awful. Like, <laughs> I,
1: I completely agree with you. It was so bad. I loved the Han hand thing. Like, that was amazing. But no, the, like, I, I just, like, block that bit from my memory every time it happens. But, yeah, viewing it as just, like, this is just a story of some dude in space having space adventures in this setting, um, which really yeah. helps. And, yeah, I know, like, a lot of my disappointment comes from, they like, I wasn't really satisfied with the whole, like, but Leia, in the future, we might need to talk in secret code because we don't know who's listening. as sort of their patch for, for why she doesn't mention this at all in her Help, Yo- Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi speech like that felt really tacked on and bad and i didn't like it um yeah i i can kind of still headcanon around the them meeting up and like i was still the learner especially how they leaned really hard in the flashbacks about um like obi-wan telling anakin at the time like your your showmanship and your need to like prove yourself is going to be your undoing right and like this battle in episode 6 was like the showiest nonsense that ever happened. Um, so, like, I get that. I can headcanon around all that. But, yeah, there are just, like, I don't know, a lot of letdown-y bits, I guess. Like, I didn't, lo- I, I was so hyped for, like, what was going to happen with Reva's character at the end of part five, and then part six really felt like, I don't know, it all got taken away from me.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about that, because I think um, it kind of maybe a fun way to break it down a little bit is character by character. Mm. Um and it'll be one of the it'll be one of Anakin, and Wakanda, we're kind of going to save uh, to build towards. One thing I think that is hard with prequels is that it, there's an interesting thing where it's like, okay, how much is this about this, the characters we already know versus the new character? Mm-hmm. Reva was probably the biggest totally new thing. Um, so, what did you think overall of, of the character arc of Reva? And certainly, one thing I'll say is in terms of this question of expectations, I think if anything this has shown us is, and happily, I think no one in this podcast really went this direction. Don't start talking about how your expectations have been disappointed two episodes in. Yeah, like just let the whole story get told. I do think a lot of people had a lot of egg on their face, and I kind of had fun watching that. Uh, but Danielle, overall, what do you think of Riva's story?
2: Oh, I loved Riva. Um, yeah. I the whole time, uh, I was really, really afraid that they were going to kill her off. Because uh, I could mm-hmm. see a redemption story coming, I could see it coming. And I, what does Star Wars do most of the time when they have a redemption story? They kill off their character, <laughs> and before they can truly redeem themselves. And one thing I've always wanted to see, and why I love like Callus so much in Rebels, is that they have to work to get that redemption. Yes. They have to work to see what they did wrong, and to accept that not everyone is going to accept your apology or yeah. your work to do something better. And I love that because there's so much more room for a story there. There's so much more room to see what can happen instead of just ending it. And um, I just loved that they didn't do it. So the whole time we were watching Kenobi, I was just like, please don't, please don't, please don't. I'm going to hold out hope until the very end that they won't do it because I trust Deborah Chow to not do that to a new female character. And um, they didn't. And when it happened, I was very excited Both because finally they didn't kill off a redemptive character and because uh, it leaves room to explore Reva's character more. Not just Mm -hmm. how she got to where she was at the beginning of Kenobi, but where she goes after. And I thought that was very smart because it just opens it up for so many more possible stories to be told.
0: I really like the way you talk about that because I'm a big believer in redemption arcs. It's a big part of what the whole superhero ethics podcast is about. And yeah, I, the ones that I love are Callus of uh, um, Zuko from um, mm. Avatar: The Last Airbender, Katra from Shira, where it's not just because I, like I would say that like Darth Vader and Kylo Ren experience redemptive moments that might begin a redemption arc, but neither one like you can't have genocide, 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 one nice act then you die, that's not redemption.
2: Um, well, you know, um, what I say about Vader and Anakin, which is kind yeah. of goes against what I think George Lucas himself says, but I'm allowing myself this, is that Anakin redeemed himself to Luke. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. yeah. it. He did not redeem himself to the galaxy. He did not redeem himself to all of the people that he did wrong. But he redeemed himself to Luke in saving his life. And that's why, to me, uh, the sequel trilogy doesn't mess up his redemption because he already saved Luke's life and that's the only person that mattered in that moment and that's how I view it okay. so I agree with your redemptive acts uh, statement because I hate
0: that you just took yeah. a movie I hate that you just took my own idea and used it to make me like a movie I don't like that's, that's mean I'm a teacher um. that's what I do <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair yeah I'm I'm torn on Reva's arc because I I absolutely felt the same way. I I so loved what they did with her in episode five because first of all because I, just, I love the dark side. That sounds really bad. Um, I just I, I I enjoy stories about people who aren't necessarily good people, and I liked the idea that she had that she was going to help our characters, but she was not. There was no compassion. There was mm-hmm. no love. It was just I have this dark side goal, and you can help me now, so I'm going to have you help me the end left me a little i don't know it felt kind of undercutty to her uh and I, I i really like the point you're saying there was a black creator i was watching on tiktok who i thought made a really interesting point which is he was saying why is it that all the black characters in star wars have to start as sort of bad guys and then get some kind of you know in terms mm-hmm. of like landau carissian finn riva and he was like why couldn't we just either a get a hero but also just be just have Riva just be a bad character mm-hmm. a great character but you know a villain mm-hmm. um but yeah so where where do you think Riva would go from or actually let me let me throw out to sarah so what about you where do you where do you see see with Riva's character because i i think i i loved her up to episode five episode six it just i i didn't want to start that redemption arc yet i guess I, yeah. I wanted to see her more stay hardcore
1: no that's exactly where i land too um i i think i i, I again appreciate that she didn't Get killed off. Um, especially like the, with the mirroring of the episodes in each part, like having that the bad guy gets redeemed and then killed seems like a thing that they definitely could have done and I'm glad they didn't. Um, but yeah, even, even if it would have been something as simple as like when Obi-Wan offers his hand to Reva to like help her up, she like bats it away and stands up on her own. Like I'm cool with her not killing Luke because of course she can't kill Luke. That (laughs) would mess everything up um and i'm also cool with her not killing kids because like the dude she hates killed a bunch of kids and that's why she hates him but i don't think that that necessarily has like you didn't kill a helpless child congrats that doesn't necessarily mean you're good right like you've kind of barely cleared the bar of not being a complete and total evil person so, like, I, I feel like there could have still been room for her starting this redemptive journey instead of having it, like, wrap up now. And I would have loved to see, like, a Riva TV show of her maybe still, like, working with the Inquisitors, still trying to, like, see what Vader comes back, like, what his plans with, with her were. Because, like, he and the Grand Inquisitor didn't just, like, leave her kicking around actually thinking she was dead. Like, there's there's no way. they have They have machinations still. So I would have loved to see, like, how... That all worked together, and it felt really like, I don't know, just kind of like a letdown to have her be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't kill children. Maybe I shouldn't be like this (laughs) guy I don't like. Thanks, Obi-Wan, for showing me the way, right? It just felt a little, yeah, Mm. hollow, I guess? That's fair. But yeah, like, up until, like, I do, I did love Reva's character arc up until that point, I guess. Um, I think, yeah, episode five locked a lot of things into place, made a lot of things make sense. I guess end of episode four, beginning of episode five. Um, With the beginning, like, why she didn't kill um, Haja? Mm -hmm. I knew his name until this very second, and I tried to recall it. Um, And all those little, like, moments were like, oh, okay. I get her motivations now. It seemed a little weird, but, like, I'm on it. I'm on the trolley. Let's go. And then, like, and now it's over. Here's my
0: hope for her. Um, I still am bitter that we're never gonna get a Ventress show. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think one of my favorite episodes in all of Clone Wars is what is to me the ultimate buddy cop, which is Ventress is disillusioned with the Sith, Ahsoka's disillusioned with the Jedi, and they're kind of meeting somewhere in the middle. And so I've always wanted s- s- more Ventress content. If we get kind of Reva content instead, if we do get like a Reva. Yeah, like you said, kind of exploring what does this mean? Maybe she's moving away from the dark side. Maybe she's not. Some kind of redemption arc. I, I could be down with that. I could, I could see that could be a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I um I think that there will be a lot of exploration for Reva after this. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I think that's part of the reason why they, they left it open. And I'm hoping that they do explore more into that. And it's not just a full-on, like, now she's on her redemptive arc that, you know, the right. first couple of... Parts of that story, whatever form it may take, are her struggling to get there and fully push mm-hmm. away the dark side or struggle with pushing it away because it mm-hmm. can't just go away. Um, yeah. I think what I liked about her ending is that she was she was a mirror of Anakin this entire time, uh, someone who horrible things happened to, and she f- fell and she was wanting revenge the same way Anakin was wanting revenge. For everything that happened to him and in the end Anakin never asked for help from Obi-Wan he never confided in Obi-Wan and I think that mm-hmm. that last scene of this show why I love it so much I guess it's not the last scene but why I love that last scene between Reva and Obi-Wan so much is because Reva does accept his help on that and so it is kind of oh, the mirror right. of Anakin it's the, the opposite of Anakin Anakin doesn't accept it Reva does and right. to me, that was a really powerful moment, and I think why I didn't have so much of an issue with it. But I take your point that it did kind of wrap up very quickly, the way that yeah. these six-episode shows tend to do. Like, oh, okay, we don't have any more time. Let's wrap it up, and it's all nice
1: Little and pretty. Bump <laughs> at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah I, I like that. It's funny because I I looked at it sort of I I half saw that because I saw it from the other the other side, which is that I saw that Obi-Wan gets to have the moment with Reva that he didn't get to have with Anakin. Um, and, and so that, but I, I like also that you're right that, that, that the parallel goes both ways there. That does make that, that does make that story resonate for me a lot more.
1: Yeah. I think like, it's interesting when you were, when you are like mentioning like, like in Callous's sort of redemptive arc, I think like, We got, because it's in a longer TV show, not like a six episode miniseries, we got to kind of have time of Callus like stewing and questioning. And it's like, thinking back, it's really only a few scenes of him just like sitting in his room in like whatever ship he's on. And like he doesn't say anything, right? But I think there's like, we get this idea that there's this prolonged period of Callus struggling with like, should he abandon the dark side? Is this really the way to go? Yeah, and like reva had like an evening tumble it over and i right. think that's like what's the wrestling my jimmies i guess no,
2: no that makes sense yeah
0: when Riva didn't have a zeb i mean yeah a point, right? <laughs> give
1: Riva a zeb gosh dang <laughs> yeah
0: i like that idea i like that thought uh so let's talk about obi-wan and i i i, I want to get the serious part for sure but i need to start by asking a lighter hearted question. well sort of light question although it did bother me a good deal i'm curious i'm curious daniel if you can give us a a story reason why this made sense peter parker you know spider-man forgive me for blending universes here but you know uncle ben says with great power comes great responsibility and Tommy McGuire, at least his spider-man says if you if you have the power to stop something and you don't then the bad things that happen are on you obi-wan doesn't kill anakin on mustafar vader then comes back and says hey i'm doing terrible things you should have killed me on mustafar obi-wan once again doesn't kill vader anakin how are we not supposed to just blame obi-wan now for all the terrible things vader does going forward? like is there any story reason why he, I, I i mean i get that he does just because he couldn't bring himself to but like is not that kind of a horrible thing from him am i
1: missing something gosh if he would have killed anakin obviously like if i didn't know that the rest of the movies existed but if he would have killed anakin i would have been crushed because like that's not obi-wan obi-wan has this like ability to always see that little kernel of hope in every Mm -hmm. single person and especially anakin right like even though he calls him darth even though he's like agreed that okay you've killed my friend like he hasn't right like even when even when like on the death star he like let's darth vader slice him in half i think he's still hoping that mm. anakin is gonna come back and like he's just can't like he's talked about it he said he's gonna kill anakin He said i'm gonna have like he never will obviously like we know this right. but like in his heart he never can right like he's he's his brother he's never giving up on him and I, yeah if he had i would have been extraordinarily pissed off
2: yeah i agree um i think that Obi-Wan's love for Anakin is, at the same time, his greatest strength and his biggest weakness. Uh, And he tells Yoda in Revenge of the Sith, I can't kill him. I can't. Mm -hmm. And he can't. Because even though he thinks that Anakin is dead because of him, he can't be the one who deals that final blow. And he knows that. I think that Obi-Wan knows that himself. And that's why he needed Luke to... Uh, to tra- that's why he wanted to train Luke, to be able to do it, because he himself couldn't do it. And that, I think, is something we're supposed to question about Obi-Wan. I don't think it's something that we're just supposed to say, oh, yeah, you know, Obi-Wan's so sweet, he can't kill his his brother. <laughs> right. But it's also, it's like, why are you passing this on to yeah. someone right. else? Because you can't do it yourself. And I think that that is one of his, as I said, greatest strengths, but also one of his flaws, uh, because that is, is an attachment that Obi-Wan can't let go of, is Anakin. Yeah. He, can't, he can't do what he needs to do. And No matter how many times he says, I will do what I must, yeah. in the yeah. end, <laughs> he can't do yeah. what he must. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is kind of the difference between how he approaches his fights with Anakin and how kind of Ahsoka does, because I firmly believe Ahsoka was ready actually, to do what needed to actually be done in her fight with Vader on Malachor. And as I said, I've I've said before, I think, um, in the difference between how Luke approaches it, because he was absolutely not going to kill Vader. And yeah, that's just Obi-Wan's character to me, is he can't do it because it's Anakin. That's his strength and that's his flaw. Yeah, well,
1: and even... Sorry, I just wanted yeah. to, like, add a little no, a little please. thing. Like, he is... He, Obi-Wan is fine to leave Anakin, presumed dead, like, suffering terribly on Mustafar, and, like, walk away and hope that, like, the lava kills him, right? Like, he just can't do the dirty work, right? And, like, like, Danielle was saying, his greatest flaw, his greatest weakness. Like, he knows that Anakin needs to die. Vader needs to die. He just doesn't want to be the one to do it. And, like, on it, like, at that point, it would have been a kindness to have, like, actually have killed him, right? Because he's like on fire, suffering tremendously, um, mm-hmm. but he still can't can't do it. And like, yeah, I think that speaks volumes to Obi Wan's character.
0: Okay, I think I can get behind all that because at least it, it does sound at least like we're acknowledging, like, maybe Obi Wan then does have some responsibility for like the further evil that 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 uh, that Vader, Anakin does. Because I think that that's to me the thing is, it's the like. You know, I I get that he doesn't want to kill him, and maybe it's like, well, just take him back to Tatooine and lock him up with you, or I'd cut off his hands. But that clearly doesn't work, <laughs> uh, you know. Like, God. but because I do like, it's something I'll see sometimes in um, Jessica Jones. To me, is one of my favorite examples of this. But I think in other places where like our hero wants to give the villain another chance, but then because of that other chance, the villain goes out and does terrible things. Like, I think the hero is kind of to blame for that. And But I, I think you're right. I think it is that Obi-Wan couldn't do it. And and to me, like, for all the times I say I think this kind of takes away from something in the original trilogy, this does the exact opposite, because I think, Danielle, you were just saying this. To me, those moments where Luke says, I think I can turn him, and Obi-Wan's like, no, you can't. Like, to me, that's that beautiful moment where it's like the parent couldn't do it, and the parent isn't ready to accept that the younger generation can – because then it might mean they failed, you know? And it's like I I think Obi Wan wants Luke to kill Vader in part because he can't con- if he could conceive of the idea that Luke could turn him, it means that Obi Wan could have, but failed.
2: See
1: hey. I Oh sorry,
2: go ahead, go ahead Sarah.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, I don't I don't think Obi Wan ever could have. I think it like we time we talked about this last time, right? It needed yeah. to be like Luke or possibly Leia. Um, or maybe Ahsoka. Um mm-hmm. but I also like I don't know if I'm like super jazzed to jump on board with like Obi-Wan's to blame for anything. Mm. Like if the hero doesn't kill the villain and the villain goes on to do other things, like the villain is to blame. The villain's still the one who's killing the the people. And like, I don't know, like would it in the grand sum total have been better to have just killed them? Sure. But they don't have, like they can't Mm. see into the future, even though we can. Right. right? So I feel like assigning blame to Obi-Wan in this instance isn't,
2: chiller good but that's like that's my opinion yeah I think um well because I mean what is Star Wars about but choices Mm -hmm. and how our choices lead us to where we are and you know ultimately Obi-Wan's choices to leave Anakin and Vader Anakin slash Vader alive did lead to certain things but that's not solely on its own it's also Anakin's choices that lead to these things as well and so yeah I, I don't I also don't really like blaming uh, anyone but the perpetrator for <laughs> what they do. But I, I do take your point that you know Obi-Wan himself feels guilt for it. And I think we see that throughout everything. And one thing I've always said about Obi-Wan, to, to my friends at least, is that he wants so badly, I think, to make up for what he views that he did wrong that he doesn't always take a step back. And look at how it got to that point. And yeah, I, that's, that's how I kind of think about his interactions with Luke. Uh, especially as a force ghost when he tells Luke, uh, you, can't, like, you have to kill him. You can't do this. You can't do this. And I'm like, that's Obi-Wan not taking a st- step back and looking at what Yoda said to him in Revenge of the Sith. And his response to Yoda, I can't kill him. And he just wants so badly to make up for what he didn't do that he will not do the work that he needs to to see how it happened. And yeah. I kind of liked that at the end of the show Obi-Wan does a little bit of that in saying to Owen, you're right. He just needs Luke just needs to have a childhood. He just needs to be a kid. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed that a little bit cuz that was a little bit of Obi-Wan kind of being like, okay, Anakin never got that childhood what if luke does
1: yeah. and he never him, got him, that childhood yeah like obi-wan never got it either
0: yeah yeah him giving him that toy i think is such a beautiful thing and and to be clear like i i i don't think blame is zero sum by any means i don't think that if i'm blaming obi Wan, it's more. i guess maybe the word to me is more enabling like i mm. i do really i am interested in the idea of enabling and like kind of you know like if you know if there's someone around who like gets drunk all the time, and I know they have a gun, if they do something terrible with that gun, it's their fault. But if I had the chance to take that gun away from them, and I chose not to, I I think I I hold some responsibility there. And To me, that's more of the, like, you know this person's going to do terrible things, you have the chance to, maybe not kill him, some, some way to... Prevent him from continuing to Vader if we can make Vader a verb. <laughs> I, I guess to me it's, it's, it, there's an enabling kind of blame there that I'm putting. But I, but I definitely hear what you're saying there. And I don't want to for a minute say that that takes away from Anakin's choices. Um, One other thing on – kind of turning more to the Anakin side, and I want to kind of hold up something here for a second – so I finished that episode, and I was really struck by it. And I remember watching that scene of half of Vader, half of Vader's mask getting knocked off mm-hmm. was just amazing. And this was, like, right after it came out, or maybe, like, ten minutes after. And I go on Twitter, and Danielle has already put up a Twitter image of the um, – the half of the mask that Ahsoka knocked off and the half of the mask that Obi-Wan knocked off. And I, I don't think I would have put it together, and granted a whole bunch of other people made the connection too, but Danielle, talk about what was that like for you to kind of realize like that, that connection there, that the two of them had each un- knocked off one side of his mask.
2: Well, Ahsoka is always on my mind, <laughs> and her fight <laughs> with Vader is always on my mind. So as I was watching it, I kept thinking, I was like, this feels a lot like Twilight of the Apprentice. And I... Was like they're gonna do it? They're gonna like are they gonna Are they gonna reference indirectly or directly that fight because it hasn't happened yet canonically? But are they gonna do something? And as soon as Obi Wan said, "I will do what I must," and Vader said, "Then you will die," I was like, "There's a chance. There's a chance that more is gonna happen that connects (laughs) it to it." And so when the masks split off, I knew when it was coming too because in Rebels when Ahsoka. Uh, slices his helmet in half Um, she does kind of like a flip and then they showed Obi-Wan jumping onto the rock to do a flip I was like it's coming (laughs) and it happened and I was like oh my gosh but it took me a minute to realize that it was the other half and Mm -hmm. as soon as that clicked I was like that was not a coincidence that was on purpose like Deborah Chow is, is a great director when it comes to those types of like parallels and I, am full, like, I fully believe that she intended it to be the opposite side of the mask that it was on Rebels. And when I did that, I was like, I have to see it side by side. I have to see it side by side. And I did that, and it was the exact mirror <laughs> of mm-hmm. the Rebels one, down to the jagged piece that sticks out uh, from his like nose or forehead. And it was just really beautiful to me. I saw some people say that it was kind of a knockoff of – the rebels fight and I don't really I don't really agree with that. I think it was a continuation of what that fight meant and showing, as I have said on my social media, that, you know, Obi Wan gets one side, Ahsoka gets the other, but they can't break through to him because Anakin won't let them. But when you get to Luke, Luke has to be the one. Like we know, Luke has to be the one to break through the mask first. No one else can do it. Um, but how do we show that when we have characters like Obi-Wan and Ahsoka who theoretically maybe have a bit more of a reason to break through to Anakin or for Anakin to let them through? It has to be Anakin's choice. And at both of those times, he is not going to let them. And it has to be Luke. And Luke in the end is the one who gets that. I do like to think that maybe somewhere invader Vader's subconscious the fact that Obi Wan broke through half of it and Ahsoka broke through the other half helped in the end with Luke getting through to him fully.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Like I don't I don't know if Luke could have gotten through to him had Ahsoka and Obi Wan not made these attempts previously. Yeah, yeah I agree with
0: that. I, I think that's true. I think the other thing that is occurring to me now is you know, one thing we get from Anakin, somewhat in the movies, but especially in the Clone Wars TV show, which I will say, by the way, I think Kenobi is, even more so than we've had before, 100% a love letter to the animated Star Wars. Mm-hmm. to the Clone Wars TV show and the Rebels TV show, which I love so much, even though Rebels comes later. But one of the things that establishes so well is that Anakin, Anakin will do one set of rules when it's him that's in danger. Mm-hmm. But when it's someone else who's in danger all bets are off. And that's, if you want to get to the heart and soul of Anakin, make him protect someone else. Mm -hmm. And when he's fighting Ahsoka and when he's fighting Obi-Wan, no one else is in danger. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, when when Luke Luke helps break him turn, one of the key parts is that it's Luke who's in danger. Mm -hmm. And so I do kind of think that that's the other big part of it is that that's where, that that part, like the part of Anakin that has to rescue someone else never really comes out when it's against Ahsoka or against Obi-Wan.
2: Yeah, I agree. One of my one of the things I've been thinking recently is that, you know, we talk a lot about how Luke broke through to uh, Anakin, and I just did that now as well, but he's not the sole participant in that. He's not the sole reason that that happened. Like I said, Anakin made a choice uh, right. to save Luke. He made a choice not to right. let Palpatine kill his son, and he could have easily made the choice to let him, and now, it would have led uh, up to that, but yeah.
0: I do need to say, he made the choice silently. I don't care about any new additions to the movie. He made the choice silently. Um, But yeah. I don't know
1: what you're talking about. (laughs) Exactly.
0: One other thing I will say, and I I don't want to talk about the Hayden Christensen and all, um, but that again, where I'm like, okay, this actually makes the original movies even better. You know, one of my favorite questions has always been, why does Obi-Wan lie to Luke? Or lie to Luke by saying, you know, vader killed yeah. your father from
1: a certain point of view
0: yeah. from a certain point of view and i to me i feel like like i always kind of knew where obi-wan was coming from and that a little bit was his guilt and him not wanting to admit the truth but having obi-wan have anakin specifically tell him no no, no you this is not your fault i did this mm-hmm. i vader killed anakin that hits so hard so hard to me because then it was like okay that's why obi-wan says it because that's what that obi-wan believes it, because that's what anakin believes uh, how did that moment hit for you two?
2: Um, Well, I will struggle not to cry while I talk about it. <laughs> but um, it hit really hard. On one hand, I was very much like, yes, thank you. Now people will stop saying that Vader and Anakin are uh, not the same person. Uh, but I also was just kind of really in awe of how they... Did him, the transition between him saying, uh, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan, which is mostly Anakin's voice, and the, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did, which is mostly, it's Anakin's voice still, it's Hayden Christensen's voice still, but it's more like tinged in darkness. And the mm. little smile that he has on his face when he says, You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did is haunting like I think about I thought about that every day (laughs) since the finale came out and um I like the conversation that it's going to start I said this in one of my TikTok videos is that one of my favorite things about Star Wars is how people interpret things differently and how we take a single line of dialogue and have a thousand different opinions on it and a thousand different ways that we get there and so these two lines uh I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did, could mean multiple things. Is it Anakin breaking through to absolve Obi-Wan of guilt as his final act of compassion to Obi-Wan? Is it Anakin, usual, as usual, wanting to not let anyone have uh, the... The, uh, the credit? The, the credit, yours. yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Have the credit for something that he did. Is it vader wanting to hurt him as deeply as possible and because he knows obi-wan he knows that saying that he killed himself would be the ultimate like knife in the chest to obi-wan because that means that it really isn't anyone else who did this it's anakin Mm -hmm. the boy that he raised his brother who did all of these awful horrible things and he has to come to terms with that and how does he come to terms with that by separating them in his mind.
1: Yeah, I think it like it's a bit of a combo, right? And I like how it starts with this, like, you didn't, I'm not your failure, you didn't kill me, which seems like this sort of um, ab, abs, absolation, ab, he's absolving um, Obi-Wan, but then it's like, I killed him, which like twists the knife, right? And, uh-huh. and so I, I don't think it's him trying to remove Obi-Wan's guilt in any way shape or form i think it's him trying to take the credit right like i'm amazing i'm dramatic i'm fantastic i'm the one who did this but yeah like you like you had a hand in making darth vader who is the one who killed anakin right Mm -hmm. and i think he's like letting letting obi-wan know that like this isn't like palpatine manipulating me even though it totally is but like you know, I I'm I knowingly made these choices to like kill Anakin Skywalker and let Darth Vader live.
0: Yeah, I I think yeah I think I think that I think you're right. There is so many ways to see the, see these things. For me, I, I think I'm kind of where you're coming from, Sarah. But what really affects me with it is, um, in one of the new Thrawn novels, which are the canon, uh, there's a, the, a a novel where Grand Admiral Thrawn is spending half his time with Vader on a mission for the Emperor while also in flashbacks on a mission with Anakin. And part of the idea is that Thrawn is one of the only ones who figures out that Anakin is Vader. And in that, at least, we get the kind of Vader's internal monologue, and he makes very clear that Anakin was weak. Anakin lost a fight to Obi-Wan, so Anakin has to be dead. And that Vader has to be a new thing completely separate from Anakin. So I, I think that's where I kind of take it from, is that there's some level of, like, but also yet, like, yeah, it could be the compassion as well in that one weird way, but but also that a lot of it's just like, no, I can't even – yes, Obi-Wan, you might have defeated Anakin, but then I killed Anakin, and now I'm this new thing, and that's who you're going to beat. But or I'm going to beat you, but of course he doesn't.
2: Well, that's the thing about Vader that I think some people forget is that he has to tell himself these things, and just yep. because he's telling himself those things doesn't mean that they're actually true and um yeah. and so i i love that you know he needs he needs this internal dialogue as you were saying of anakin was weak anakin couldn't do this so he can no longer live in my mind uh he can no longer have this body i have to have this body uh and it's like anakin like yeah. I, that's why i say i call I can't be afraid of vader because i just call him anakin the whole time i was like anakin what are you doing um but Uh, Yeah, so he he needs to have that. He needs to be telling himself these things. And I thought that that was very uh, well shown in those two lines uh, for the audience. Instead of, you know, you can't, when you're watching something, you can't have the internal dialogue all the time, the same way that you do in books. But you can show it through certain parts of external dialogue. And I thought that that did that quite well. Yeah,
1: it's very much like... When there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. And, like, Anakin, Anakin has to be completely dead. I totally, totally yeah. agree. And I really love the parallels, too, with like Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when, when he's talking with, with Han, he, like, he says, like, Ben Solo's dead, your son is dead. Like, yeah, I'm Kylo Ren now. When, like, this idea of your old identity has to die so you can assume this, like, dark, sithy version of yourself. Which is, like... I don't know if you take the opposite of like, oh, I've got to like kill the bad part of me to become the good, right? That doesn't seem so bad, but when it's like got to kill the good part of me to become the bad, you're like, mm-hmm. well, maybe you don't. Maybe the good's <laughs> still hanging out in there somewhere. And there's a
0: lot of father killing. Like Freud is all yeah. over this yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: but I mean, it makes sense.
0: I mean, I think like for me, Paul, who's often been one of my co-hosts on a lot of these as well, you know. One of the first kind of really intense com he and I, our friendship was built by being the two people who didn't get drunk or high at parties when mm-hmm. we were in high school. And so often at like one in the morning, we would help make sure no one was like throwing up and then just play chess. <laughs> uh, and like, I remember one of our first conversations was when he really got me thinking more about Star Wars that it was more than just kind of what I thought it was. And he was talking about how emotionally troubled Vader is all throughout Empire Strikes Back, you know, and that it's that he doesn't even admit to himself how much he wants to. Maybe rescue Luke or maybe, you know, help Luke and not just de- deliver Luke to the Emperor. And so, yeah, I think part of the, part of Vader's whole thing has always been he's this royal of emotions all the time. A, because the Emperor is so in his head, B, because he's driven so much by the dark side. So, yeah, of course, it makes sense. that He he has no idea what in the world he's thinking half the time. So. On that episode we had you on last time, Danielle. I know you were super excited about Hayden Christensen coming back, and I know I had some I had some caution about it. How did you feel about how they used Hayden over in the
1: I really
2: liked it. Listen, I um, I wanted I will say, one of the things I had wanted from the show was uh, a flashback to the era of the Clone Wars, not to the uh tv show the clone wars because i don't need animation to be brought into live action i'm fine with it staying that way
0: robert roger rabbit style of this would have been very weird yeah yeah exactly (laughs)
2: um but as the show went on and i became it became more clear what it was aiming to do and what it wasn't trying to do i realized that a flashback to the clone wars would not really fit in with the story they were trying to tell and so i was okay with that um but And I think I would have been okay with them just having Hayden Christensen in the suit for some scenes and us not really seeing him. I wanted to see him, but I could feel Hayden Christensen in this Vader, even with the mask on. And even when that wasn't technically him acting in, in the, the suit, if it was his body doubles or his stunt doubles, I could still feel them bringing aspects of Hayden Christensen that we see in Revenge of the Sith to this Vader in a way that we don't see it in like Rogue One when that's not Hayden Christensen. And that is what I really loved about it. But the pinnacle for me (laughs) was uh, the fight when the mask is slashed because Hayden Christensen's voice acting for that was phenomenal. It was chilling. And like I said before, the little smile that he gives – That I was like, that's the first time Vader has actually scared me, (laughs) was when he did that little smile as he's saying, I killed Anakin Skywalker. Um, And just his voice, like the break in the words. uh, I I could do a whole, whole thing about that when he says Anakin Skywalker and there's like a tremble to it and there's a break and he's struggling to say these things because he doesn't normally talk without his mask. I thought that it was beautifully done. And that Hayden Christensen did an excellent job. And seeing the flashback that we did get to the time right before Attack of the Clones, um, his facial expressions, it was like Attack of the Clones had just happened (laughs) the other day. And the way that he was able to fall back into that character, even though he's 20 plus years older than he was when he acted in it. It was just like he fell back into it like it was nothing. And it felt like watching Attack of the Clones again to me.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I think some of my... I I was disappointed with how he wasn't in, like, the first four uh, episodes of of Obi-Wan. Like, we had him standing in, like, Joshua Tree Mm -hmm. once. And it was like, where's... Bring me Hayden Christensen. I want Hayden Christensen. And then um, that flashback in I think, was that episode five or episode five. four I can't quite remember it was just like amazing I loved it yeah so so much and then yeah seeing him again with the half mask with like his voice and James Earl Jones voice is kind of like interposed over top of each other I thought it was just like an amazing way of tying Anakin Skywalker into like the James Earl Jones Darth Vader um mm-hmm. and yeah like oh fantastic job and also, like, I feel like you could really tell that, like, he did... It feels like Hayden Christensen sat down and, like, watched all the Clone Wars and Rebels and, like, took notes about Anakin. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm a rare... I'm a young millennial. I saw um, Phantom Menace when I was, like, a child. And I loved it. And Jar Jar Binks was my favorite character. Because I didn't understand problematic characters. I was like, haha, funny <laughs> funny man fall down. Um, but I, I didn't see the next two in theaters. Um, and then my mom like showed me the original trilogy and like that's kind of all that I watched. So I didn't go back and see the first two with Hayden Christensen until much later in life. And at that point, I was like, these are very terrible movies. George Lucas needs an editor. And I feel like the George Lucas needs an editor is like what Clone Wars and Rebels kind of is a mm-hmm. little bit like with those characters. Yeah. And so to have that interpretation brought into Obi-Wan, and how it was... It was so good. I yeah. I was just like very impressed. Loved it yeah. very much.
0: Yeah, I, I that was my biggest concern going in, and I'm happy to say I was wrong. That Hayden Christensen is a much better actor than I gave him credit for. I did like the marketing campaign made me think he was basically getting equal billing yeah. to Ewan McGregor. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of an interesting pump fake that he was like I mean, he had less screen time than Leia, less screen time than Reva, less screen time than, than probably one or two others. And I do think I don't think this works. Unless you also had James Earl Jones Mm. as the voice of Vader. Because I think, and I mean, he's now 91. Like, I think we're probably done doing Vader stuff. But it, like, when James Earl Jones leaves us, which I hope is not for a long time, but I think that has to be when you stop doing Vader stuff. Because it just, like, his, in some ways, grounding me with James Earl Jones' voice, it was, that was kind of the comfort blanket that I needed. Mm. Of Like, okay, you're still giving me Vader being Vader, that now actually seeing Hayden as Anakin You're right. Both the like the mask off scene, but also the 40 year old Padawan scene, which worked so much better. If you told me that was the scene, I would have been so like I'm so glad I never saw that scene in 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 trailers because I would I would try not to have expectations. But I'd be like, oh, come on. (laughs) But the scene worked so damn well. And I agree with you. I think he like I hope Matt Latner somewhere was watching being like, yep, okay, that's that's. That's the Anakin that I tried to bring out too, and now you're getting it too. And yeah, just the stuff they did with the voice and the faces and the body language, it just, it it felt to me like Anakin Vader is now this part that these three different people, James Earl Jones, Hayden Christensen, Matt Ladner, and even the, the body double for the original movie, whose name, unfortunately, I forget. Like, all of them are in this character, and I, I really appreciate that. And I I felt like Hayden Christensen was not take. I didn't want him taking it over from James Earl Jones and instead this was fitting it in in a way that I really appreciated
1: it. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I think I, I so I watched um, Rogue One not like a couple days ago which I still don't love and I know so many people do, <laughs> Ouch. but I don't know. Um, the... No, I know, that's my... <laughs> I know, I know, we can talk about this later um, and mm-hmm. I'll give you all the reasons why I don't love it. Um, but the end of that movie we have James Earl Jones as Darth Vader and he sounds like he's 91 or like late 80s I guess it would have been um but I don't know if it's just like advancements in technology or what happened but like we didn't get like 90 year old sounding James Earl Jones Mm -hmm. in this and I really appreciated that like I I don't know he didn't make
0: a dad joke pun (laughs) that
1: helped (laughs) um no the like he just didn't he didn't sound old which is like had to be done with like computers somehow right because like time comes for all of us um and i so i really liked how they implemented that and i'm like i'm wondering if maybe they can like computer voice james earl jones sometime in the future which brings up like weird ethical questions about like bringing dead actors back to act in movies etc but this whole like youthifying technology i know matthew you have many many an opinion about the 40 year old padawan but I mean, I would much prefer that like it's they they went real easy on the youthifying. I would much prefer that than like the nightmare monster that was uh, young Mark Hamill. At, in the in the end of Mandalorian, right? Like that that still haunts my dreams. Um, or like Cartoon Tarkin in in Rogue One, right? Like that's Oh, I
0: loved that. I thought that worked. Oh
1: <laughs> god, it's it's not good. It's like, why is there CGI Tarkin in the middle of this live action movie? It terrifies me. I don't and like or like CGI Carrie Fisher, it too, all of that was not good. Like the technology's not there. It's like watching really like the beginnings of CGI technology and like the Mm-hmm. early aughts movies and you're like we didn't quite we didn't quite get there yet did we and mm-hmm. like I'm sure the youthifying technology will be there in the future but I'm glad they recognize that it's not quite there yet and didn't go full like mm-hmm. turn you into an 18 year old
2: for me for that flashback because I, I was in the same boat I would much rather have what we got than have it be like fuzzy around the edges and like just like Renesme from mm-hmm. Twilight mm-hmm. Um, but I also liked some opinions i saw about how because this is anakin's flashback and because he is tying it into current things that are happening he sees himself as how he would be now and i don't know if that was the intention um or not but i do kind of like that idea that of course when he looks back maybe he doesn't see himself as being quite as young as he was then um, but either way, I did appreciate that they didn't go full ham on the <laughs> CGI, yeah. because that would have taken me out of the moment. That's...
0: That I, I, and my sense is it was both him and Obi-Wan were both having the flashback, but I, my, that, that was certainly my sense, is that, yeah, both of them were kind of... It's like the haziness of memory, and so you're yeah. remembering what you see in the mirror today and, yeah. and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's um, fair. Can we... Okay. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the haziness of memory, I guess, I... Can we talk about like Leia a little bit, or do we? Are you? Did you have a, a future? No, go for it. Okay, um, I okay. So I started out not being extraordinarily annoyed by Leia in the first two episodes, first two parts, and now like I I love her and I would die for baby Leia, um, and Lola. Oh my gosh! But I I still like I so didn't love her and Obi Wan's interaction at the very end with this like because up until this point she hadn't called him obi-wan so there is still i think we had like a somebody write in um in one of our feedback episodes saying like has she she actually ever called him obi-wan like she's only called him ben and like she's 10 right so like Mm -hmm. i don't think the memory of a 10 year old needs to be infallible and like i could have gone the rest of my life with her not realizing that obi-wan and ben were like the same person or like Something like that, and this—the whole hokey, like maybe we gotta use a code next time. See you in twenty years. It was like I don't know. It, it just it hit real bad for me, and I was just wondering like what you guys thought about that.
2: Well, for me, um, I think it made sense because she was in a new hope when she sends R two, and she says, "Help us, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope." And then when they're rescuing her on the ship. And Luke comes in and he says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. And she gets up and she says, Ben Kenobi? Well, then what are we waiting for? Mm-hmm. And so I made that connection. one of my questions I always had uh, before this was, how did she know who Ben Kenobi was? Because, you know, she knew who Obi-Wan was. That's mm-hmm. who she asked for help. But when Luke says Ben, how did she make that connection if she didn't know that that was a name that he used? And so to me, that made sense. Um, and I guess maybe the way I view the rest of it is that uh, there had to be a conversation about why she never did it because or why she never uh, broke that secrecy, why she never uh, told anyone because of A New Hope. And uh, I think that it's one of those kind of catch-22 situations. If you do it, there will, of course, you know, people won't, may not like it. If you don't do it, there will also be people who are like, but wait, you had this chance to, you know, bridge that and make us understand why she never told anyone or why it was so secret.
1: It seems... Oh. Good. Oh, I was going to say, like, it seems like she at least told Han because, like, they named their kid Ben, right? So she probably had to have some sort of conversation with, like, her husband about this. But, yeah, um, I... I think I
0: I just have to accept at this point in time that somewhere, like, three months before the events of a new hope begin some sort of galaxy wide mind galaxy wide mind wipe <laughs> happens because and like going back 25 years, you know, those of us who love the original movies always had this problem with the prequels where, you know, people say to Vader, you're this devotee of this ancient religion that by the way, 15 years ago, all of you were part of <laughs> like, you know, cause like we spent five and a half episodes thinking, how does Leia not know all this? I'm also now thinking, okay, Luke, yeah, you're on this planet where nothing ever happens. Yeah. Yeah. Except, by the way, when you were 10 and a force user <laughs> kidnapped you and your aunt and uncle were badass fighters. Like, okay, so you know, I have I, like, I, I, just, it Kelvin universe. It's I just, it's the Kelvin <laughs> timeline. And like, we just have to accept that, like, yeah.
1: but I can like, not the droids you're looking for away. So many of the rest, of, like, like, okay, but like, Luke. Hit his head and clearly got a concussion. I've had concussions. I don't remember how I've gotten a lot of them because that's what happens when you have a concussion. So that's fine, right? I can like hand wave that away. Luke got his head hit. And even then, if he's like, hey, aunt and uncle, did like a lady come and kidnap me? They're like, no, Luke, you ran away and you hit your head. You're having weird, weird, weird memories. The ancient religion thing, I can totally see the Empire putting out like a propaganda campaign of like, you don't know what Jedi are. Jedi is a wacky old religion. It was like five people in this temple who tried to, like, start a cult, don't you dare talk about Jedi, right? Like, we don't talk about Jedi. So, therefore, we whack your ancient religion. Yet. Thank Sorry. you. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was referencing. Thank you very much. Um, and, like, you, right? The things that I don't get is, like, Bale. How did Bale know about, like, Anakin and that it was his kids in that message that he sent to Obi-Wan? But that's, like, I'm like, okay, that's just a plot macguffin thing. And then, like, oh, okay, Matt, no, I
0: I I had a total aside. So oh. finish your story, and then oh, I'm okay. make a That's good. complete yeah. aside about bail.
1: And like I don't know, but that like that seems hand wavy enough for me. But just like the yeah, I don't know. We got so much of Leia, and I loved it. And like her interaction with Ben, I thought was great. Especially like for his interaction with her, I should say. Like and how she changed him and like got him to trust people again. Um, I thought it was amazing. But I'm also totally fine with like letting a ten year old not have. A crystal clear memory of all of this and maybe like just talking with her dad about like yeah Obi-Wan we fought together in the Clone Wars Ben even like I I'd totally forgotten about the Ben Kenobi aspect Danielle so like even having her be like yeah he was a guy remember you like hung out a little bit he like saved you from those kidnappers and her being like yeah okay I, d- I remember <laughs> this it was traumatic so maybe i blocked some of it but like sure and it's now like a decade later And you're like, okay, hey, you're the guy, I've seen you from across the room, and you're very old now, and you look different. Because, like, yeah, when I was 20, I don't think I could have pinpointed adults that I hung out with when I was 10, right? (laughs) That's fair. What's your side, Matthew? Sorry about that big old rant.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I I think I I made this rant a couple episodes ago about, you know, the... To me, this still doesn't... Everything that happened here still doesn't quite fit with... The circle is now complete once we left it. You were the master. And and I think I just, we got to accept that. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's part of why I'm so excited for Cassie at the Andor show, to be frank, Mm -hmm. is because I think just to me, when you're telling a prequel about well-established characters, the the problem is you have you know where that character has to end. Mm -hmm. And you also can't, you know, like, I, I love the show Star Trek Discovery, but every time they have the character Spock have new interesting things happen to them, I'm then wondering, why was there never any reference to all this awesome stuff in his history in the, the TV show? And that might be it, literally the Kelvin timeline. We don't know. But, you know, I feel like anytime time you, you have a fixed thing of a character already doing stuff in one stuff, if you do prequels, you're now always going to have this problem, you know? And, like, it, it's why I think I love – overall, I think Kenobi is probably not going to be one of my favorite shows just because i think that like i think if i'm going to have get a prequel i want it to be rogue one i want it to be mm-hmm. An- i want it to be a prequel about characters i don't know so that i'm not sitting there going wait this doesn't fit you know cuz cuz you're right i think like for you it's the leia of it all for me <laughs> it's the the circle is now complete of it all for someone else it's the luke of it all yeah
1: it, it i would yeah the circle is now complete like i would have loved I think in like Palpatine's little chat with with Vader at the end for him to say like, you still have so much to learn mm. or even like something to just give us mm-hmm. that like, mm-hmm. okay, Vader thinks that like, he's still the learner. Yeah. And I feel like the flashback tried to give us that like, look, he's still, he still realizes he's still just a Padawan and doesn't need to be a drama queen about all of this, but like he will, because that's who he is as a person. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 agree that like they, they, Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying about the not having prequels about established characters. I think Solo is an exception for me because, like, we don't... We're still, like, far enough away and we know from of Han from A New Hope and, I guess, the original trilogy that, like, he was a scoundrel and did scoundrelly things and somehow ended up working for Jabba. And just going back and seeing, like, and this is one adventure that Han Solo went on is totally chill with me, right? Like, I'm okay with... I would watch a show of him doing, like another job, and, like, maybe he runs into Hondo Anaka because, I don't know. I would love that. Um, or just, like, right, like, those little interspersed moments, I think, are fine, but when you get something, I agree, Matthew, like like Obi-Wan, where you're trying to squish all this plot in, and, like, these really important plot points, it loses a lot of its tension? And even, like, really, like, even when Reeve was chasing Luke um, into Tatooine, like, you know he's going to be fine, because he has to be fine, unless I have, like, a Luke clone that we yeah. don't know about, right? <laughs> um, Luke <with> two years. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, okay, I'll, when, like, the Tatooine, nothing ever happens on Tatooine. I, I'm also willing to hand wave away, because I've met people who grew up in Los Angeles, where I currently live, where, like, nothing cool happens in LA. I'm just like, are you, <laughs> are you insane? <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. The end. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I um I think I was as you were talking Sarah, I was thinking about like why it's not such a an issue for me. I get why why this stuff is for other people. I totally do. Um but for me it's not and I wonder if it's because I kind of as I was experiencing Star Wars, it was the prequels and the original trilogy, all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. maybe I Kind of built up a like maybe like a callus against uh, you know questioning uh, you know or like questioning why they didn't reference this in the original trilogy if it happened here Um, to the point where I'm just kind of like okay do whatever you want (laughs) it's fine Uh, but I get why why that is because you do want answers you do you do want to know uh, what how how it got from here to there and why it's not referenced there. Why they would make that decision then if it's not referenced in the original, why they would make the decision to bring that into a prequel. And that is the, that's the risk you take when you start in the middle of something mm-hmm. and you want with the intention or the want even to expand. And I think that George Lucas took a big risk in doing that. If he knew going forward that he was wanting to do a prequel, because they knew they were wanting to do a prequel back when the original trilogies were filming, and um, it's a risk he took. Some of it paid off. Some of, it, I mean, clearly we have star, we have still have Star Wars today. But yeah, I I do take your point with all of that. I think
1: it's like I I agree with what you're saying, and that like that makes sense of like not not having those expectations because you're watching them interspersed. And I think like. Uh, Paul made a comment of like, he's trying to view this as a sequel of the prequels and not a prequel to the, to the mm. original. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm. I think like kind of helps frame it in a certain way, but I'll like, I think what I need to start doing is seeing that more as like Greek mythology, which is mm. what I've started to do with the um, MCU is just yeah. like, these are kind of established characters and we're just telling stories, reusing these characters and maybe it doesn't always make sense together. I like that. And I'm like just going to have to, like, be okay with that, that, like, sometimes Zeus is off doing swans, and sometimes he's, like, in a totally loving relationship with Hera, and it's fine, it's okay, it's all just, like, storytelling using these established characters.
0: Well, you know, I, I kind of had to do that, because I do love Greek mythology, <laughs> and um, I I normally love Disney movies, yeah. but I was, like, so angry with the first time I saw Hercules, because I was, like, this is not how the stories go. Hades is a Hades is the one god who can keep it in his pants. Like has like a loving relationship with his wife. Um but then when I was able to be like, eh, "Forget Greek mythology, let me just enjoy the story." Okay, no, it's a great Disney movie. So, you know,
1: his wife oh, who he kidnapped. Good. But sure, okay.
0: There, there's, there's there's various versions of that
2: story, but yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought you both brought that up because it is something that like I love that Star Wars is a multimedia franchise that Mm -hmm. so many creators from different backgrounds get to contribute to and that we get to see this inclusivity and everything for it from something that was originally created by a white man. Um, But the thing I think that Lucasfilm is going to have to grapple with soon is that when you have that, you're not always going to have continuity the way that some people have come to expect it. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're, that's a way of storytelling that's how marvel gets around the comic the multiple different storylines they have for characters in their comics and mm-hmm. how they've reached this longevity uh in as, as a company as marvel as a creative output um yeah. and star wars seems like they want to do that but they haven't yet grappled with how to convey that to the fans and maybe they're a little bit afraid of the fans i wouldn't blame them because they, we can be scary mm-hmm. um but I think that they are eventually going to have to say that, you know, yeah. just because something is canon doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to line up exactly the way that everyone might want it to. And I think they're trying to I've, I've seen them try to get there with their increased use in the past five, eight years of from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a smart way to go. Because you it can't is. please everyone, but if you don't let people have the expectation from you that canon means strict, strict, strict canon, line-by-line line mm-hmm. canon, then that opens up so much more possibility.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's why I think – and I've, I've talked a little bit about them. <clears throat> it's why I'm so, so much a fan of the E.K. Johnson books, The Queen's Shadow, Queen's Peril. Uh, I forget the name of the last one, but because, like, you know – We've talked a lot about how the prequels are great in a lot of ways, have some problems in a lot of ways. But, you know, like Jar Jar is basically a walking, talking Jamaican stereotype. The Gungans are horrifically anti-Japanese racist. And I think there's a lot of people who would say the character of Padme is written. It very much feels like a white man's attempt to write an empowered woman character. But also look at how obsessed she is with her makeup and her dresses. And it comes off kind of wacky. And so E.K. Johnson comes along and was like, no, 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 no. Actually, this was like secret ninja tech with those dresses and makeup <laughs> the whole time. And and to the point of literally taking the moment from the first movie where Ewan McGregor is like, or Obi-Wan is like, now be careful, Padme, that's a trap. And in, in the movie it comes across like she's kind of an idiot and he has to tell her that. But in the books, they know that already and she's kind of annoyed at him. And I, I don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at, but to me that's a great way that they're like, okay, yeah, we're not going to officially break the canon, but we're going to radically change what was happening behind the scenes to make this all look very different. And I think we're going to get a lot more... And I I kind of feel like a weird thing is happening now where it's like the movies are like the most canon, the TV shows are the next, the animated is the next, and the books are officially canon, but the books feel like we're there, they can push the most in that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting because that level is... And it's why I wish they would come out and officially say it so that at least I'm not like, you know, in this limbo of what to expect, what not to expect. And maybe that's my own issue that I have to overcome. Um, but it's it's difficult because the books and the comics so much uh, line up with the movies and they take great pains. Like they have to go through the creative board. They have to have everything approved by them and or the, the story, the Story? story group, the creative story right. group. Uh, they have to have all of their manuscripts approved by them and so that it lines up with specific things in the movies and maybe even in the TV shows. and um, But when it comes to movies and TV shows, it seems like they don't really have to do the same <laughs> with the books. And we've seen that in certain things being changed. I mean, you have uh, Kanan's backstory. Even though it's, it doesn't ultimately change anything about Kanan's character, the comics uh, have a different story of Order 66 than The Bad Batch does for him. Right. And uh, also certain details in the Ahsoka novel about her experience with Maul and Order 66 got changed. And I'm not saying they're bad changes or because there are some that I actually like. And like I said, it's it's not a bad thing. Sometimes it opens up possibilities to tell stories in a different way than you thought you did in the thought than mm-hmm. sometimes it opens up possibilities to tell a story in a different way than you thought you wanted to five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that because opinions change, uh, perspectives change, but it would be nice if they would just kind of say something. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: that's yeah. Fair. I think that's true. I guess true.
1: Yeah. I guess I think that's why, like, because they haven't said that, I still have this expectation <laughs> of everything lining up, I suppose. And I think that's why I just, like, the story I wanted was just, like, obi-wan moping around on tattooing <laughs> yeah like and like maybe i don't know he runs into some inquisitors and their stuff kind of like similar to solo is just like him going off on this coaxium adventure and like hanging out with his old girlfriend um and not so much mm-hmm. related to to the movies but yeah I, I i totally i totally get your point about like how they're so willing to like tweak details of the books but nobody's really willing to tweak details of the movies and just say like we tweak the detail deal with it um because yeah i think that would help yeah. a lot of things
0: yeah i think so i think so yeah I, yeah I, I kind of have the same hope for the show and and this is i wasn't a legends person but this is the first time where because i read the kenobi legends novel which is pretty recent but that one is so much based in tatooine and i think also i i headcannoned something in a dumb way which is that I was frustrated that the book of Boba Fett didn't do more with the Tuscans. And I felt kind of fridged them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like they all got killed just to advance Boba Fett's story. But because the Tuscans were a huge part of the Kenobi novel, I, in my head, I was like, okay, well maybe Kenobi, the show is going to take him. We didn't get that. That's fine. But it was just kind of expectations. So, um, I, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say like, do we know if there's a Kenobi season two is like, him and Qui Gon's Force Ghost—are they going to go pal around with the Tuskins out in the deserts of Tatooine? Like, you know, I, really I... Hope not. But oh, good. Um,
2: I don't need a season two, but if there was one, that is exactly what I want. I don't want, and <laughs> not even any action. I don't need any action. I just want Qui Gon Force Ghost. Qui Gon. Teaching Obi Wan, them having a grand old time that they couldn't have back in the, before the beginning yeah. of the war. I would be fine with that. I know some people wouldn't, but I would just—I'd be perfectly content to watch them chatting for four hours. That would be yeah. fine.
0: I, I, I would love that. That's I think one of the things I was most disappointed by, frankly, is that we didn't get more of that. Both because I think them paling around would be fun, but also like to me, you know, there's all this stuff of like Qui Gon thought Anakin was the, the chosen one. Obi-Wan didn't think he should raise him, but then did, like, I want to hear, like, did I do okay? Like, I want to hear them talk about that, you know? Um, Anyway, we should start wrapping up. There's one or two other big things I want to kind of get into, but because we mentioned Bale, I want to uh, ask a little bit of an aside. Um, Danielle, some of the content I first found from you that I thought was hilarious and very well done, uh, is you were commenting that there were a number of Latino men in the Star Wars universe, all of whom seemed to be both very attractive and all sort of uncovering their daddy energy all about the same time. (laughs) And episode one, I was thinking distinctly of that and then thinking, I think Jimmy Smith has now entered this conversation. Uh, I'm so kind of curious. What was your thought of uh, a daddy bail Organa and the little bit we got of him, uh, especially in that regard?
2: Yeah. Well, I love, I love my um, Latin Latinas in space um, just because I am, I'm Latina myself and Uh, Mm -hmm. That representation is just, has always been something really important to me. Uh, When Poe Dameron, when Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron was in the sequels, I was just ecstatic. And then, of course, Diego Luna in Rogue One. And so that is the most important thing to me is the representation. And um, Bail Organa is the OG of the uh, Space Latines. And I have always loved him. And to see him back, uh, we got him in Rogue One and I was ecstatic then, but to see him back in this, like, what felt so much more like the prequels to me, which is where I was first introduced to him, uh, was very special to me. And to see him, more importantly, as Leia's father, was incredibly heartwarming to me, uh, especially with conversations in the Star Wars fandom about, you know, what is family and what isn't. Um, To see him not only be Leia's father, but to have that conversation with her about how she is an Organa And to never let anyone tell her differently uh, was like I could cry right now talking about it because it was so beautiful. And I thought that he felt also he fell back into his role perfectly as well. It was almost like, I mean, you could tell that it's been 20 years since he was in Revenge of the Sith, but only by the gray in his beard. (laughs) by Nothing else did it feel like it had been that long. And it's just amazing to me that these characters could fall back in so easily. And Mm -hmm. he was definitely one of them. I love their little pinky Hold up so in the, good. like, second episode, first or second episode, that was beautiful to me. And Jimmy Smits just, he did a, a phenomenal job, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I mean, a lot of times there's a lot of people saying, oh, look, there's so much of, of Padme in her, there's so much of Anakin in her, and I... I think it's easy, especially in the Star Wars world, but also in general in general, to have this kind of idea of like genetics equals character. And that's kind of like, I mean, family is, you know, sometimes it's adoptive parents, but still. And yeah, so seeing how much she is an Organa and seeing how much she is like Bale's child. Um, and I just thought Jimmy Smith looked fantastic. <laughs> and I was just very happy <laughs> about that. Um, well, when she that said, well,
2: when she said to Obi-Wan or Obi-Wan was telling her uh, how she is like her birth parents. And he said, I wish I could tell you more. And she looks at Bale and Brea and says, that's okay. I don't need to know. That was really, like, that touched me a lot. And it was her mm-hmm. saying, you know, and we see this in, um, in Bloodlines, in her book, Bloodlines, that how she has such a complicated relationship. Uh, co- she has a complicated uh, feelings about Anakin being her birth father, Darth Vader being her birth right. father and her feelings about being an Organa. And I loved seeing the beginning of that in that last conversation of her really kind of saying, I don't need to know about them anymore because I have my parents. I have my family. And that's what matters right now.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it's very powerful. One thing I always... I have not finished Bloodlines, the book. I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of like four different Star Wars books in the moment. Um, But is that it a little bit touches on at least this idea of that she has, you know, she is just as much Vader's child, Anakin's child as Luke is, but Luke got to have all these experiences with him. She didn't, mm-hmm. you know, she just had this experience of like him, like, you know, like helping blow up her planet, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. And like
1: harassing her
0: on her own <laughs> ship. Yeah. Yeah. Torturing all that stuff. So.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so, we're, so short wrapping up, I want to talk a little bit about kind of upcoming stuff and, and I'll just actually throw this out. Um, I think we're all kind of excited for Andor for a bunch of different reasons. But one thing that does occur to me is, uh, I mean, he's he's far and away... i I'm just got to say this because, to me, moral grayness is such a good thing. And I just... I, I love the story about the person who, even though they're fighting the best, like, most good war, still has to do terrible things. But it's set only a couple of years after what's happening... And it's going to be set in this world of people doing you know morally gray things with morally gray people to try and do this very good cause. Do you think Riva shows up
2: I've wondered that um i don't know I, I i don't I don't know that that will be my answer mm-hmm. i don't know I don't know how well she would fit in um, that being said, I love Moses Ingram and if she's in The show, I won't complain. Um, But yeah, it's it's a good question. I I don't know if she's going to be in it. I don't know what they're going to do. What I'm most excited about for is that from the trailer, it just feels so fresh. Like it's going to be something that isn't really kind of like tied down the way that Kenobi, the Obi Wan Kenobi, was tied down. The way that kind of the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett have become tied down a bit. Um, and it just feels fresh. It feels like it's a new take on Star Wars visually and uh, thematically. And I'm really excited for that. Also, Diego Luna. So
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. I I would be surprised to see Riva, but not unhappy, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Because, like, the galaxy is very large. So I don't necessarily see why she should be there. But if she shows up for some reason, like... Cool and good. Give me more Moses Ingram, please and thank
0: you. Yeah, I I think I'm kind of that same place. And I I want it to be about, like, like Rogue One, I don't want there to be lightsabers. I don't want there to be big, heavy moments. I want this to be about the stuff that happened below the radar screen with mostly characters we don't know. Um, I'm torn because, like, I want them to spend some scum and villainy time. And I want it to be a serious, serious show. But Sarah and I are the two founding members of the Hondo andaka fan club, and like, if they can find some way to run, you know, the crown prince of of scum and villainy to bring him in some way, I would love it. I don't know if they can do that while still keeping like. I think he just lends an era of wackiness and zaniness that like not quite yeah. work for this, but like <clears throat> between him having seen that we can do Cad Bane live action now, like I, I think there's a lot of chances to explore some of that scum and villainy world. And I, I do think someone, like, like in the books and in some of the show, we saw Ventress, like, mm. be a bounty hunter for a while. Mm-hmm. I could see Reva, like, being a bounty hunter in some way interacting with them. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to get, I don't want to have, get any of my hopes up there, but Riva would be my, like, I'd like to see. Hondo Anaka is my, like, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't <laughs> know how it could happen. But if it does, I will send flowers to Dave Filoni. They because... have
1: to give us Hondo IRL <laughs> soon. But I'm also, like, I'm also so nervous about it because I have all these, like, deep, expansive headcanons of what Hondo's up to. And, like, anything you put into actual canon is gonna mess with that. It, is that um,
0: headcanon or fanfiction?
1: Both, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I haven't written it down, so I think that's the only thing that's preventing it from being fanfiction. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like, the having the wacky character, I think, is pretty vital, even in a dark storyline. Like, I wish we would have gotten more of Haja.
2: Mm. In Kenobi, Mm, because I
1: think we needed, like, a little bit more lightness, a little bit more wackiness. Um, Like, I guess, spoiler alerts for Stranger Things Season 4, but I think, like, Argyle was a great character in there because he, like, added levity in this, like, really, really dark show where, like, teenagers are getting murdered, basically, and, like, tortured. And, like, you need those little points of levity even in your darkest, darkest, serious show. So, like, yeah, why... Why shouldn't it be Honda Wonaka? Please, no, please, please, please.
2: Mm-hmm. What I'm most excited for about Andor, and this will be short, is the fact that it's 12 episodes and yes. we're getting two seasons. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, thank
0: God. Okay.
2: Cuz I just I don't understand what the obsession is with these 6 episode series yeah. that disney is putting out because marvel's doing it too and it doesn't always work i mean i guess sometimes it does but even with obi-wan kenobi show which i love as is it could have used another episode or two or it could have used its episodes being the same length and that length being an hour or 55 minutes instead of some of them being like 36 minutes um and so Andor, which you know i'm already predisposed to love (laughs) uh being 12 episodes and two seasons of 12 episodes each. I just am ecstatic about that because I feel like it opens up so much more room for characters to be explored and not have Mm -hmm. that take over the narrative in the way that I think as much as I loved Din and Ahsoka and Luke in the Book of Boba Fett, uh, that kind of took over the narrative of that show.
1: And I think like... Having those, like, two 12-episode seasons takes us out of the mindset of, like, the miniseries, yeah. which is what we're in mm-hmm. right now, right? And, yeah. I mean, like, I, like part of it might be because of COVID restrictions, and, like, I know filming has been hard for the last yeah. couple years. Um, and I know, like, that's why Stranger Things had this weird, fragmented season, and a lot of, like, and I know that's why um, WandaVision ended kind of strange. Yeah, almost um,
0: all the Marvel Disney shows had problems with it up until Moon Knight, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, like, so, like, I get it. Like, sure, we have to film in the real world because of stuff existing and it's, it's like, fine. But, yeah, I think, like, the idea of the miniseries, just from, like, a framework, it's it speaks to a much more serious, like, bogged down show of and, like, expectations of, like, you're kind of getting a movie-ish every time you sit right. down. Whereas, like, a 12-episode TV show... I think adds more to that, like, like I don't want to say, like, sitcom mindset, because I know that, like, it's not going to be a sitcom, but at least giving us the opportunity of having, like, a bit of a more fragmented story, um, yeah. and maybe not necessarily just, like, one big overarching... Yeah,
0: it, it can be yeah. a little more episodic. You yeah. Know? Exactly.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You have room to breathe. Cause yes, yeah. Yeah,
0: because I think that's the thing, is I think, like, I, I I still think that, like, the the Netflix MCU shows, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all those... I think are kind of the the best television I've ever seen, except for maybe The Wire. But I think even those, like, they were trying to often tell a singular story. They were mostly 12 or 13 episodes. And except for maybe one or two seasons, I think a lot of them did have a couple of filler mm-hmm. episodes. And mm-hmm. so when we sort of get, okay, maybe more like 8 to 10 sounds right. I feel like 12 to 13 can be too long unless you do some episodic. I think 6 can be too short. I think, though, with Andor especially, because it shouldn't just be one story. It should be, like, yeah, there's a little bit of, like, the secret of the week to find out kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, mixed in with some overarching stuff.
2: You know what? I miss filler episodes. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: going to say, give me the filler episode.
2: <laughs> after after the, so many show, Disney shows we've gotten uh, with just six or eight episodes and there's no room for filler and it's just hit after hit after hit after hit, I'm like, I kind of miss, like, the Bad Batch filler episodes we got that we're just kind of, you yeah. know, like, let's go on an adventure. It doesn't really have much stake for the plot. And I kind of miss that. Um, I think that maybe like the streaming or the binge streaming kind of got us out of that mindset. And then now I'm mm-hmm. to the point a few years later where I'm like, No, I miss I miss the the twenty four episode seasons of supernatural <laughs> where yeah. a couple episodes didn't matter. But yeah. But, yeah.
0: Like, to me, the TV show Burn Notice, I don't know if either of you ever saw it, but it is, I think, of the gold standard of, like, there's an uber plot, and, like, every episode moves that uber plot just a little bit, but there's also, like, a client of the week kind of thing, and, yeah, like, I thought Bad Batch kind of did that. There was kind of the adventure of the week while there was the uber plot. Mm -hmm. I
1: think my touchstone for it is *Ultra Legendary Defender, where it's, like, nine seasons and this big overarching plot and a lot of it is like plot heavy episodes but there's one episode where they like go to a mall on a planet it's like a shopping mall and they go to like a thrift store and like there's Mm. stores with like punny names related to and like it's just stupid fun they buy a cow it's great um and like the cow comes up occasionally (laughs) later right and it's like just a silly fun episode which is like I think, like, ha- what we were talking about about the, like, characters of levity, having, like, the space to have an episode where it's, like, the stakes aren't as high. We're just gonna have some fun with our characters. Maybe they go on a wacky side quest. And, like, there are parts that are tying it into the overarching story, but like, I don't know.
0: Bring no, me the wacky, that, bring me the filler, bring me the wacky side quest. Please, and that thank you. Gives me a, that gives me hope, because if anything says wacky side quest, it's Hondo and <laughs> yeah. So, oh. like, And and, and the other thing, and I I don't want to get too deep in the trailers of it all, and also this is not the the show we're doing today, but just kind of we can keep wrapping it up. My understanding is that this is going to be about Andor and, like, the early days of the Rebellion. So am I right? This is basically going to be taking place concurrently to Rebels?
1: Yeah, well, even in, like, Rogue One, we get a few um, quick little Rebels references with, like, somebody paging um captain syndula over the Mm -hmm. intercom and like the characters saying carabast every once in a while yeah Yeah. so yeah like i think it's fully possible to like pull in some rebels characters and like please please give me chopper (laughs) oh so good
2: well yeah um um, so yeah it's supposed to happen concurrently with rebels i believe if not maybe like a maybe like a year before or something um okay but i would love to see some rebels characters uh Even if it was just, like, smaller ones that weren't a part of the Ghost crew, but I would love to see the Ghost crew. Um, And just, I'll be really interested to see, because they've said they have officially, you know, called Cassian Fulcrum and how he gets from the point at the beginning to Fulcrum. And I am excited to see that woven in, because we don't really talk about him as Fulcrum as much as we talk about Ahsoka and... um, And... Uh, no
0: spoilers we haven't gotten that part in rebels but yes someone else who's uh, yes we
2: have uh, oh yeah that's right yeah no, we have never <laughs> mind <laughs> i was like ah, wait, we no. definitely have i know it's been a while since we've
1: watched rebels but. <laughs> it is it has
2: but yeah so i I'm, I'm excited about that and also that Mon mothma is going to be such a big part of it and that we're going to get to see a mm-hmm. different side to her than we've seen before which we've always just kind of seen the serene um no violence side of Mon Mothma, which is integral to her character, but it right. seems like we're really going to get to like dive in deeper, and I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I like that as well. I think it's, it's going to be it's going to be a really good show. Diego Luna is fantastic. Um, there's going to be. Yeah, so uh, when we do that, Danielle, will definitely want to Um, hope you'll, – you'll be done with your thesis. You'll oh, have wait. some time off. Maybe you can come on and do a couple episodes with us.
2: So. I'll also be in America uh, for half of the time the show is airing, so it'll be much easier.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but yeah, that, I, Danielle, I should say, is doing this at 5 o'clock in the morning, Danielle's time. So thank you so much for, for, for putting up with us this hour.
2: My pleasure. All right, well, I think
0: – I think it's probably about uh, a good time to wrap up. Any other kind of last comments on uh, Kenobi or Andor, any of the last Star Wars things people want to throw out?
2: Um, justice for vet clone.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, let me actually give you a moment or two with that, because you are <laughs> such a devotee of the clones. I know you love clone stories. What was it like for you, seeing just that that homeless veteran clone? You
2: know, it took me a few days to process it. Like, I couldn't actually believe that it happened, because that was Tim Weta morrison and we've not seen him as a clone in ages well besides boba um but that was it was really emotional because you have all of these kind of like headcanons and fan fiction about the clones and about how they were treated after order 66 and how they were treated by the empire especially and to see that you know as canon now that they were just left behind and They arguably have one of the most tragic stories in Star Wars because they didn't have a choice, they didn't have a say in anything that happened to them. And then to just be left behind, but also the stakes it had for Obi-Wan to see a a clone that he might very well have worked alongside because that was a 501st clone. And Mm -hmm. to see that and be reminded of his time and who might have tried to kill him yeah exactly the the double
0: side of that yeah
2: yeah. and to be reminded of his time in the war but also to be reminded of anakin and then to be reminded maybe of cody and uh that is just it was really heartbreaking it was i thought beautifully done for how short of a scene that it was and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'll be (laughs) crying over him forever (laughs) i'm still i think i said on on twitter one day i'm still there sitting next to him crying (laughs)
0: And it's funny, too, because I know, you know, people talk a lot about how Star Wars is often kind of making commentary on our own world, the way I think all media is to some extent. And to me, that moment hit so hard because for me growing up in New York City in the in the 80s, you know, Vietnam vets Mm -hmm. were on this were on the streets all the time. And you knew that there was this kind of thing of like, you know, the fact that the war that they had fought in was so unpopular at that time, especially, and for good reason, I think, but like there was so much mixed feelings about that. And just even as a kid, I knew all of that was there. And so, just it was you're right, it's five seconds, but just thinking about like, oh, yeah, how does everyone at, at this point in time, everyone hates the Clone Wars? They probably have very negative feelings about the Clones. And so, the Clones are just these thrown away homeless veterans. I was like, oof, that's. It it hits just in the story and it also hits so much because it has so much relevance in our own world. Yeah.
1: Well, even if they don't have like negative feelings about the clones, right? Because like, theoretically, like they were the empire, right? It's just they very quickly right. switched over. Um, but the fact that, yeah, like they're just abandoned, mm-hmm. right? And like yeah. maybe there's like a clone memorial day where they're like, Oh, thanks for your service, clones, but they're still like homeless on the streets mm-hmm. begging yeah. for credits, right? Like I which is also very very applicable
0: to our our modern world yeah mm-hmm. yeah now i want to see what the clone va is like
2: yeah.
0: oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> all right well that a whole other can of worms we can get into there but danielle thank you so much for being a part of this uh we've mentioned a couple times yeah tell us about your tiktok and where people can find it and what they're going to find
2: yeah my tiktok is written in the star wars i'm also on instagram written in the sw and uh, it's a lot of clone content (laughs) Um, and I also talk a lot just about the animated series in general and every time we have a series coming out I always give my uh, reaction videos to it and I try to keep it positive uh, just because to to kind of combat how negative those apps can be sometimes but yeah I love talking with people about Star Wars in general so come join the conversation.
0: (laughs) Awesome yeah definitely check that out and Sarah, you mentioned pottery stuff. I still have some great gifts I gave people last year. Is, there a, is the Sarah Hayashi pottery store back up in, in business?
1: Um, no, because Etsy is doing things that I don't love. Um, okay. But uh, if you go to my Instagram, Sarah Hayashi Art, um, you can see pottery that I'm doing. And um, feel free to DM me uh, for all your pottery needs. Um, you won't see any Star Wars stuff on my Instagram because I don't, particularly feel like being sued by disney but um yeah dm me <laughs> if you awesome. if you want to do something
0: yeah awesome well thank thank you both so much been so great to have you both here and of course to you fans this is why we do it what do you all think would love to hear your wrap-up thoughts and all of this uh you can find us at the ethical panda uh sorry you can find all my contact information at theethicalpanda.com, Facebook, Twitter, email. Send us your thoughts. We got a lot of great feedback during this season. Really love getting to talk to you about it. Would love to keep those conversations going. We've got some great stuff coming up. We're gonna be going back into the the rebels. Uh, 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 episode by episode rewatch we have some conversations about some of the books coming up we're gonna do some stuff to get ready we'll probably do a rogue one rewatch to some extent to get ready for andor uh so a lot of great stuff happening and of course over on my other podcast superhero ethics uh we just did an episode about stranger things we did an episode about uh the mcu and the x-men and what are some ways we could like bring the X-Men into the MCU. I'm all for the high school drama of it all. I want kind of like X-Men euphoria, maybe a little less drugs (laughs) and unsafe sex, but you know, the rest of it, give me a good high school show. Give me a show about the teachers. That's what I want. Uh, But you hear that, you hear lots of great content on both of those podcasts. I hope you enjoy these podcasts. Please share. Please leave us a review. Please help other people get the word out. We really want to build this community because, as Danielle said, there's a lot of not-so-great stuff happening in fandom. We love being a positive voice. I love getting to hear all your positive voices. And even when we're critical, we want to come from the perspective of good people can disagree and have a good conversation about it instead of yelling about it because we always just got to say the words in my opinion. As long as you can do that, you're going to be fine. So, thanks so much, everybody. Let us know what you think. On behalf of myself, Danielle, Sarah, thank you all so much for listening, and as fans, please be good to each other.
1: Yeah, criticize the art, not the artist, right?
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it.
1: (laughs)